0: Good evening, and welcome to another episode of Complimentary Cinema here on the O&M Stockroom. We're your hosts, Brian McGarry.
1: And Ken O'Malley.
0: And uh, this evening, we're going to be talking about a interesting little film, TV movie from 2010 called Dino Shark.
1: That's correct. And... Um... How about you tell us a little bit about Dino Shark, just in, in broad terms?
0: So, Dino Dino Shark is Jaws with bad CGI. I think is probably the best way to describe it.
1: Now, when you say it's Jaws with bad CGI, um, does does the film Jaws have a plot?
0: I have actually have never seen Jaws,
1: but as far as your cultural understanding of the movie Jaws,
0: my cultural understanding of Jaws is that it was a uh, quite a uh, Fun and exciting uh, film when it came out, and uh, it was definitely iconic and classic. And uh, yeah, I do believe it did, yes, have a, a discernible say, plot.
1: You would say it includes characters.
0: I I would say that it includes characters. It has has acting. I know Roy Sh- uh, Schneider is in it. I believe that's how you say his name, or Roy Schneider. He was in a bunch of stuff. He was in uh, Sequest, Romeo's Bleeding. What else? He was in a few things.
1: I so, thought you I thought you were going to tell me what episode of Star Trek he was in.
0: I don't recall that he was in Star Trek, but he was in Sequest DSV, okay, which was like the underwater uh parallel to Deep Space 9 in the uh, early mid 90s and in fact, the action figures for Sequest were made by Playmates Toys, which also made the uh, Star Trek figures and as you may may know, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles.
1: There's the connection.
0: There's the connection. <laughs> So, yeah, so Jaws was a good, you know, uh, is considered to be a good film and, and, and whatnot. And I would say that um, this film currently has a rating on IMDb of 3.1 out of 10. Now, would you say that that is a fair take on on this film's performance?
1: I would not. I would you not. would not? I think that is aiming too high for this film.
0: 3.1 is too high for this film, folks.
1: There was not enough fun in this film to receive that many stars.
0: Okay, so would you say it's a two star film?
1: Um I would say this is a one and a half star film. One and
0: a half stars. I'm gonna give it two stars.
1: What what? Mm, okay. <laughs> Let's yeah.
0: it's so like on average, it'd be like what one and three quarters of a star.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so uh, why don't you give us a good little synopsis of of this particular film? And for the viewers at home, yes, spoiler alerts. We love our spoil alerts. We love to completely, uh, completely wreck this. Or actually, shouldn't we do the whole vital statistics things
1: first? Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, let's do that. Let's I'm jumping way. Up.
0: I'm jumping way ahead here because uh, we just completely go by the seat of our pants every single week. So, uh, so yeah, so Dino Shark, directed by uh, what was his name? Kevin O'Neill, a a special effects guy. He did uh, special effects in or visual effects rather. And uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula and the Bruce Lee Dragon, the Bruce Lee story, and uh, a few other things. Um, as far as his directing credits go, I think the most uh, interesting title I saw was uh, Attack of the 50-Foot Cheerleader. Yeah. And wh- I believe the tagline for that was, look at the size of those pom-poms. That's correct. So that is certainly a contender for a uh, a future episode here on Complimentary Cinema. And... Uh, yeah, so let's see here. So yeah, so it came out in 2010. I believe the budget I read was uh, two million dollars, and I think uh, probably all of all of that money probably went to the resort that they used to uh, film this at.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll talk about it a little bit when we get into it. But uh, there's a lot of hallmarks of a low bu- budget production here. Many, um, a lot of, uh, of of filming tricks and things like that to make it. Uh, uh, seem like they did more than they really did. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So some of the people in this film, we had uh, the the one actual actor, uh, Eric Balfour. He was in a uh, the remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, he was in Twenty Four, the show of Six Feet Under. He's an an actual bona fide working actor. I cannot say that for. Well, some of the film set in Mexico. So you have some you have some Hispanic uh, Mexicans, who uh. Work in Mexico, but not really in the U S but as far as like a uh, American actors, that was pretty much the one that yeah. we got out of that. Yeah. Uh, his main co-star was, uh, Iva or Eva Hasberger. I'm not sure how you say that first name, a Croatian actress who, uh, studied here in the U S and her, uh, her number one, uh, credit to her resume was Dino shark, the film in question that we are Talking about tonight.
1: This is her bright, shining star. This
0: is her, this is her, this is her mark on the world, was this film.
1: And boy, what a mark it is. What,
0: what, I know, right? So, uh, okay. And then, uh, I guess the genre for this, I mean, just general monster movie.
1: Yeah, monster movie. Um, talking, people talking to each other movie. It's
0: definitely a people talking movie with occasional monster and, uh, uh, certainly, you could not call this a horror film or a suspense film by any stretch of the imagination.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, The violence is, is silly and uh, not scary, and there's very little suspense, which are all the hallmarks of, of, a, of a, a good monster movie. Um, <laughs> Indeed. There's, so. there's a, a lack of focus there's a lack of focus on action uh sometimes <laughs> all
0: right why don't we uh before we get too ahead of ourselves why don't you give us a little synopsis here
1: okay um so the movie is all about of course the dino shark that is the you know the namesake of the movie um it turns out that this is a a prehistoric creature that was frozen in the an- the antarctic
0: it it appeared to be the antarctic yeah
1: and so you know, uh, not not
0: the Antarctic, the Arctic.
1: The Arctic, okay. Yeah, the Arctic. The um, the ice was melting, and these things apparently have been stored in ice for a long time.
0: Little tadpoles. Uh,
1: for millions of years or whatever, hundred and fifty million. So when they when they thaw out in the <laughs> the ice melting, then they just swim off out into the ocean, um, and we pick up the story three years after that. So it takes three years for them to turn from tadpoles into a full-grown dino shark.
0: And we see many, 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 many little little tadpoles here. Right. But we only see presumably one dino shark in the actual film.
1: That's correct. They do mention uh, a little bit in exposition. There have been sightings in other places in the world, so maybe that's where all those other ones went. But for the most part, we just have this one dino shark. It's really that dino shark story.
0: And they allude that climate change is what's to blame for the... Uh, The melting of the ice caps and the releasing of these terrible creatures upon the earth.
1: Right. So there's no um, moral gravitas to that aspect of the story, though. It's never really brought up other than a a throwaway line. It's
0: a throwaway line, for sure.
1: So it's it's kind of like everything else in this film. You could throw almost everything away. Um,
0: (laughs) Almost everything away.
1: So we see the, the dino shark grown for the first time. And it's apparently in Alaska, in the Gulf of Alaska. And it is attacking a diver.
0: A solo sailor.
1: Yeah, it's a solo sailor, but he's also diving just out in the middle of the water. Um, the first thing that stuck out that is that he is diving in the water where they're actually filming. Because obviously they're not filming in Alaska. They're filming where the rest of the movie takes place, which is Puerto Vallarta in mexico and it's painfully obvious that this is not alaska
0: absolutely not
1: it's not cold he the the background is the same there's the same mountains in the background from his shots that you can see in later shots um anyway
0: incredibly uniform topography
1: so anyway but yeah basically just a guy on a boat and he gets killed and he's the first one to go
0: yeah and then later on the uh we find. Uh, let's see.
1: Well, he 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 ties in later, but uh, the main thing to know is that when he dies, his like tracking beaten, his warning tracking beaten beacon, gets swallowed by the dino shark. The dino shark. That is the true purpose of this character.
0: Very handy. So let's. Uh, so from now on, I'm gonna I'm gonna refer to dino shark as Barney. Okay. <laughs> so no, no, Barney no. the dino you, it shark. It needs to be
1: Barney adjacent. Like uh, uh, Barky, or- Barky, <laughs> Barky, no, uh, Barnabas, the,
0: <laughs> Barnabas. So that death happens, and they just kind of sweep it under the rug. It's the first example I think that we see of an action scene that just gets swept under the rug and quickly cut to a non-action scene
1: yeah this, which is a
0: something we see often in this film
1: this movie is allergic to showing action after two specific things happen very, two very specific things the shark bites a limb and then the shark bites the head and after that we cut away to the next scene
0: and in this case uh, the next scene in, in this film is we get to in we get introduced to the main character of the film. A, a man named Trace, who looks like a—he just looks like your typical American tourist—but apparently he grew up in that area in Mexico and knows the people and knows the layout of the land and is a uh, is a boat captain of sorts.
1: Yeah. So apparently he works for they call uh, they jokingly like call him the Fortune 500 captain because apparently he uh, captains all the rich people's boats. Either, you know, get him from one place to another or for the season or whatever.
0: And uh, so, yeah, so he, he shows up at his buddy's bar, Luis's bar, and he meets some other friends. You know, a guy named Steve, lady named Rita, you know, beautiful blonde lady named uh, Carol, who was our played by our Croatian actress. And the first thing that really jumped out at me in this scene is not just the mind-numbing exposition that they're delivering at this point. It is the bad dubbing of the of the vocal takes. Everything was slightly off kilter. And I I noticed this throughout the film. Most of the outdoor scenes with our main uh, actors are actually recorded, I think, on site. But almost all of the interior shots are definitely overdubbed.
1: Yeah.
0: And there's a a serious once you notice it, you can't unnotice it.
1: And the scenes are super uneven. In some scenes, it's like, even in some of the exterior scenes then, because like the ones in the boats and stuff are really terrible too. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just like sometimes it's passable and sometimes it's just they're either saying different things or the timing is completely different from what their lips are moving.
0: It definitely gets much, much worse with some of the uh, random extras that they kind of throw in. Yeah, where there's just no alignment
1: whatsoever. Because the main cast isn't that bad outside of that first bar scene. Yeah, that's definitely the worst one for for the main cast.
0: Yes, but like, yeah, but like, there's a family of three later on that we see, and it looks like they just had him just say any old thing, and then they decided later on that they were just gonna have him just say whatever it was that they had written.
1: This looks like a clear cut case of the good enoughs. Like,
0: oh, absolutely, we
1: gotta take in. Move on in the next one,
0: and by good enough means, uh, no budget for an extra take, right? So, uh, so our, our our hero Trace, which is a really, really, really stupid name, uh, you know, he, he's making he's making his rounds with his buddies, letting them know how everything's going. Uh, gets his gets his another gets his other boat, meets an old friend who's now a cop. Just a lot of a lot of completely mind-numbing exposition that doesn't really go anywhere, other than to introduce future dead people.
1: That's really all it is, because even the people that they meet and they talk to and they talk about things, none of it matters, um, none of it's important, and none of it's relevant.
0: Ah, uh, correct. So after he meets his people, uh, pretty much like literally within the first twenty minutes, one of this main group of five that he seems to be close with a lady named Rita decides to go swimming and uh Rita is i believe the first uh or the she, i guess she's the second second one to die after our alaskan uh sailor
1: yeah there was another person that died right then too was there yeah because it was the uh there was the other boat there was another boat nearby that that's why the um the the emergency patrol was out
0: oh that's right that that's one right.
1: boat went down and then it went after the swimming girl.
0: Truthfully, the, the body count in Ken in this film is so high. I wish I had kept count.
1: It's it, honestly it's staggering, and the elected officials in this town don't seem to have have any care at all.
0: Especially since it's a, re- a resort town, and you would think that they'd want to uh, not have such a catastrophe blemish their reputation.
1: Well, even the the the, the people who are visiting don't notice. Like people are dying really in this don't. town. It's apparently on the news. And it's not stopping anyone from going to the beach. We see packed beaches.
0: Uh, Ken, we're in the midst of a global pandemic, and uh, it has not stopped any of these people from. Well, it's not stopped many people from going about their lives perfectly, uh, typically. You know.
1: I, I guess I have too much faith in people.
0: You have way too much. Yeah, yeah. Take that down from like maybe to a ninety to like a six, and you'll be be a little more on par there.
1: Okay. So, so anyway, it, yeah. So anyway, so it's funny too because typically we'll kind of you know talk a little bit about things as we see them, try to make little predictions and stuff like that. And when I saw this character at the bar, I was like, "Oh, she's gonna make it! Like she's gonna be the the one that's around for a long time." She had that vibe, and then she just gets eaten just
0: immediately. Yeah. And one of my favorite one of my favorite parts about when she does get eaten is. It goes without saying that all of the effects in this film are are dreadful. You know, it's a $2 million budget film made by a whole lot of nobodies. And there's terrible, terrible CGI in this flick. About as bad as it gets. And my favorite part of this is every time he... Pretty much every time Dino Shark kills someone, um, you see like a blur going for the legs. And then you'll see like another... Like puppet, like kind of just gnawing on the neck. And then at least a couple of times afterward, my favorite part, it, it just kind of does a little flip out of the water. Like it's all happy it just ate.
1: It looks very much like a dolphin that's jumping, like playing and having fun.
0: Excitedly. Just like, ooh, I just made another kill. You know, 10 points for me.
1: It got a hearty laugh out of me the first couple times that happened. And then. I was really just hoping it would keep happening.
0: I I really wanted that to keep happening, too. That would have been a highlight of this film for sure. Yeah. But alas, uh, the the motif did not continue.
1: Of all the things they were consistent about, that was not one of them.
0: That was not one of them. So so a short time later, after Rita dies, our our two main characters here, uh, Trace and Carol, uh, you know, they, they meet up and they're talking about, you know, more exposition, blah, blah, blah. then there's another scene, which, you know, they give the impression that this is the same day and they're wearing different clothing. And for this one scene in this entire film, Trace has like a, like pretty much a full beard and his hair looks a good half inch longer.
1: Yeah. So here's what happened with that. They had their filming schedule. They shot everything else. And then they decided to film that scene because they're like, we need another film, uh, another scene of our characters talking. About like their past or like their history or just anything. We just needed another meaningful scene to put in here to break up the time, and they'd already stopped filming. So these actors were were just being on the beach for like a week or two, and they were like, "Oh no, we need to we need to film a little bit more." So they called the guy back and they just filmed him just like that and didn't didn't cut his hair, didn't you know? Nothing. Like
0: nothing. It, it's a huge
1: huge. Cl- they're wearing different clothes, like you said. They, he his facial hair and everything's completely different and super noticeable.
0: It's super noticeable. Like he he doesn't even look like the same guy
1: because most of the film he has this facial hair that's like very light. It's very little, but there's just like he's got a little fuzz.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it's very short, almost almost like a five o'clock shadow, but styled.
1: Yeah, like a
0: like contour, like a five stuff, o'clock
1: yeah. the next day shadow.
0: Yeah, and like. Um, and then in this scene, this guy's got like a full, like at least two weeks also contoured and, and shaped mm-hmm. and styled, not just, not just grown out. Yeah. In- incredible stuff. So that w- that was a fun one. And that kind of, uh, got me noticing some of the other wardrobe malfunctions. There's a, uh, another, so l- l- let's talk about the gratuitous ass scenes.
1: Yes. There's, so there's at least a couple of those. That started with the first, uh, swimmer that died. And, um. When she, she took off her regular clothes, she was wearing her swimsuit under it. The camera just like 80% of the screen is butt. Just butt. It's just butt as she's walking down to the water. Um, and like, that's it. It's just full butt and then she's in the water.
0: There was no pretense to even make it like an establishing shot of what she was doing. It was completely gratuitous.
1: I'm honestly surprised we didn't get more of that later on in the film.
0: I am too, actually. Because we,
1: we didn't get any of that at the beach or anything like no, that. No,
0: we really didn't because they were filming mostly people who were tourists there.
1: So I don't know if that was intentional or what, but that they really stood out in that first time.
0: I'm pretty sure that was intentional. may not have been intentionally well done, but it was definitely intentional. There's another scene, too, when uh, the guy, Steve a random guy you meet once has two lines of dialogue and then they kill him. Yeah. Anyway. So he, he, he picks up this attractive young woman. He takes her to his place. He's well off. He's got a nice spot. You know, she's like, Ooh, you know, so she's wearing a swimsuit underneath some clothing. And when she takes off her her outerwear, the camera doesn't a ridiculous, completely slow down all the way down uh, pan of her body and then slowly all the way back up.
1: It's yeah, it's really stands out. Those two are uh, that second one actually
0: made me a little uncomfortable. Yeah. Like somebody actually filmed that and then they decided like, oh, we need to keep that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: That was pretty terrible. And so so going back, there was a, a third example of a gratuitous a gratuitous uh scantily clad woman shot. Uh Carol goes you know, talks to her, talks to Trace about God knows what at this point.
1: Well, they're just, they're, the background for her is that she's science lady. She's science lady. She knows about some kind of marine science stuff.
0: He's also like a water polo captain, apparently, or coach.
1: Yeah, I don't know why, how, what the relation is there. It's just squeezed in. But anyway, she she's like science lady. So she knows about, he, she does research on these dinosaurs, these dinosaur sharks, um, after they have the suspicion that that's what these are. And, um, so she is like doing research on her computer, looking very intensely at it. And then, um, just by herself, this is just a scene of her looking at a computer screen. It's very thrilling On, on fake Google, fake Google, um, great stuff, you know, just reaction shots of her looking at a computer screen. And then when she finds the picture and, um, when it, when this prehistoric dinosaur shark comes on the screen, she gets a really concerned look on her face and then stands up and takes her shirt off and then walks off camera.
0: And then naturally that just pans to a completely new scene uh, where we're back at the uh, the boat docks and we see Trace again and we see Carol again and she's wearing, here's the funny part. So she was wearing like a, like a sp- spaghetti strap black shirt earlier in the day and then in the scene at home she's wearing like a thicker black shirt and now she's back in the spaghetti top.
1: Yeah. It's a, like a tank top.
0: Yeah. Like very inconsistent wardrobe and uh, and facial hair in this film.
1: But she changes wardrobe like four times that one day. That
0: one day. Because by the time she goes to the... But I think by the time we see her in front of the computer, it's nighttime. And that's the first night scene that we ever get.
1: Yeah. Really the only. The only. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's what I'm saying. Those Those were shot later. That's oh, funny. definitely. Definitely. So. They were like, we need to get a different time of day in this movie. It's all in the Uh, middle of the bright, (laughs) bright, bright, sunshiny day. Um, Yes. uh, That's the other thing too, is like, obviously it's shot in somewhere that's pretty like to begin with, like it's it's a pretty place. Um, so a lot of that isn't terrible as far as like the stuff they just shoot for backgrounds and like the look of this location is nice just by inherently, they don't really have to do anything. Um, but then they don't also, they don't do anything with it other than shoot some like local people and stuff like that.
0: There is a lot of establishing shots of local people. There is, um, like you see a like a lot of boaters. You see, I mean, you, you see, a, okay, so from being in Mexico, an incredible number of white tourists yeah. are all over this. And you've got like white American police you've got white American uh Coast Guard types um almost it seems like this this town I, I can't say it Puerto Verta they're all 95 percent just regular white Americans yeah who live and work and are tourists there
1: the very few times that you see actual Mexican people in this movie are they're actually th- th- this whole movie also takes place at a resort. And um, it's the people who actually work at this resort that they're just filming as part of the movie.
0: I, I'm nearly certain of that. So this was filmed at the uh, the Paradise Village uh, in Mexico is the name of the resort. And uh, we have since learned that they actually... Uh, the cast and crew actually stayed at this resort. Right. And it's easy to see why. I mean, there's even a scene where the uh, you see some uh, a mariachi band of sorts playing. And... Uh, Maybe you could call this a little world building scene, but one scientist guy is talking to another scientist guy and the the band's playing kind of loud. And then main scientist guy, who's uh, portrayed by Roger Corman, the fantastic uh, B movie director and producer. He goes over to the mariachi band and uh, compliments them on their music and then asks them to play just a little quieter. And I, I, I had to stop for a moment. Like what the hell was the point of that scene?
1: Just so they could go up to the mariachi people and get a close-up shot of them.
0: We'd already gotten a close shot of them playing, but we needed another one just to tell them that, oh, you guys are great, but not that great. Can you keep it down just a smidge so we can talk?
1: I don't know why they bothered developing any of those characters because none of them mattered at all.
0: All of them could have been cut from the film. It must have been Favors. Just doing, just doing favors for each other. It's like
1: it's other people that were staying at this hotel. like, I want to be in your
0: film. Like the budget was two million dollars, right? So like maybe every time they, they found a tourist, they're like, hey, if, you know, give us like 150 bucks, we'll give you a scene in our movie. Maybe It
1: could you have know? been on the spot uh, crowdfunding.
0: I mean, you know, it's Mexico. People are on vacation. They're a little loose with their money. You know, maybe. Uh, Little unscrupulous things, maybe, uh, occurring a little under the table payments, perhaps.
1: Makes sense, Uh, but you're probably right. It's probably just people who uh, they 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 owed favors to, or you know that kind of thing. Producers, uh, 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 wife, and whatever.
0: Like uh, there's one shot of like an older couple just sitting, enjoying a little uh, dance performance. It's like maybe that was uh, the uh, the the director's like in laws. You know, maybe he just gave them a really bad turkey for Christmas one year and they just, you know, he had to make up to it. So I was like, hey, I'm directing the film of the summer, Dino Shark. Yeah. And you can have a spot in my film. (laughs) You know, just smooth things over with the in-laws.
1: Yep. So anyway, so we got a little bit off track, but uh, it's it's kind of a little bit of uh, an overview of, of how this movie really is. It's a lot of, people that don't matter some that we introduce for a reason to kill later some that we introduced and it ends up being for no reason to do a little world building um mostly like uh, also noticeable like old science guy um who ends who is actually the producer roger corman yep. right um his job is to examine the dna to to verify that this this creature is in fact the dino shark
0: and how did he do that
1: he put it in a microscope and then put that somehow in the computer, and the computer made a 3D picture from it.
0: It was pretty incredible how that happened too. Where did he get the DNA from, though? Ken, do you remember?
1: Oh, it was that uh, the um, train, the emergency beacon from the Arctic, uh, the first kill of the film.
0: Alaska guy.
1: Yeah, Alaska yeah. guy.
0: Yeah. Apparently, he just uh, swallowed the entire damn ship, including the emergency beacon, and then swam with it. All the way to Mexico, where he uh, regurgitated it. That was quite a leap in uh, events there. Yeah. That was amazing that they came up with that. Yeah. That was the most convoluted way possible to provide DNA for the scientist to examine in this film. And it was
1: literally like the puke in his DNA on this regurgitated capsule. So, yeah. And of all the pieces of the boat that he would have to regurgitate because he couldn't digest any of it. Somehow the capsule survived the whole process yeah. and the trip and all this.
0: Yeah, this G- this GPS uh, transponder survived just fine.
1: Not to mention they mentioned the transponder's water activated and whatever. Well, it was in the water the first time, and apparently it, it never went off. And I mean, it would you you would be able to track it the whole way with this shark swimming theoretically. Well, you would think. So anyway, they don't explain that either. But
0: that's just a kid. You just sweep that under the rug. Yeah. All right, there. There's close-ups of, of butts to be had here. All right, we can't waste. We can't waste all this time with thinking, Ken.
1: My other problem with all of this is they spend time with people talking to do exposition, and they really have no character at all. All of the people in this movie are blank people, just moving from the next from one plot point to the next. They don't have any personality at all. None. The main character isn't even like that likable. But he's not dislikable. He's just like this guy that goes in a boat, and he's a boat captain guy. I,
0: if if I went into Seven Eleven and I needed a Slurpee, Ken, like well, I I would trust that this boat captain would do a great job of ringing me up for that Slurpee, and that's about as much emotional attachment as I have to his character or any other character in this film. Yeah. Now Rita, the first the first death of the of the of this little friend group. You know, they talk about how, like, oh, it was Carol's best friend from here, quote unquote, meaning she wasn't really her best friend, just her best friend in Puerto Verde. And then Trace, our boat captain, talks about how he was a poor kid growing up, even though his dad was in the Navy, even though he studied at Annapolis for a year. He was the poor kid growing up, and Rita would bring him an extra lunch just for him, and that brought up a uh, a really wonderful um little line of dialogue. It, I believe Trey said it was the first time uh he ever uh, had food made with love.
1: Oh god, yeah. Yeah, that was terrible.
0: That was um that was pretty cringe. That was that was that was way up there.
1: That was the closest we got to any emotion in this film.
0: Uh, you know, they at least at least they made at least uh, some kind of an effort. To emotionally involve us in some of these people on on screen, but it, it failed terribly.
1: But they did it with two people that don't have any personality, just speaking words to each other.
0: Like two mannequins having a heart-to-heart would be probably as captivating, as enthralling. Actually more so because it would be mannequins, actual lifeless objects, not two actors portraying lifeless objects.
1: Now, I had a pretty good suspicion that once it turned out that we had the main guy and the main girl, that neither of them were going to die in this film. I kind of had a a suspicion of that once, as we continued on. But most of the rest of the film I spent anticipating um, everyone dying because I was just ready to move on and uh, get to the next time that someone was going to die.
0: Which uh, you didn't have to wait long for because this dino shark has got to be the most goddamn bloodthirsty animal I have ever seen. Um there there's one scene where he the shark jumps out of water and nabs a jet skier. And goes into the water and I counted it. 2 seconds of screen time later uh the shark is coming up through the water to nab a parasailer. Yeah. 2 it's, seconds.
1: Yeah. And it was coming up from like the depths. The depths.
0: Like, that is an incredibly fast, incredibly hungry shark. Why
1: is the shark so hungry, Ken? Now, let's talk about that for a minute about the shark being hungry. Because when this shark kills people, it tears them apart, but it does leave parts around. A
0: lot of parts. There's torsos. We see legs, torsos,
1: legs. heads being left behind. It's not even doing a great job of eating them. It's doing a very efficient job of killing them, but it doesn't even do a great job of eating them.
0: It's doing a great job of like, just taking like the, it's like, it's like when somebody like buys, gets pizza and just eats like a few of each slice Mm. and then like leaves the rest in the box, like a dickhead. That's
1: a great analogy.
0: That's kind of like the shark. And that kind of made me, made me think of something else here. So early on in the film, when, when Trace uh, takes over the boat, you know, we find out that, uh, the guy he's taking the boat from is like maybe smuggling some marijuana or whatever. Oh yeah. And, you know, later on some, some Harbor detective inspector finds more marijuana in the boat. and So marijuana comes up at least a couple of times in this film. And it makes me wonder, did the shark, the did dino shark come to Puerto Vallarta for pot? Was he, was he getting a little bit of, uh. A little bit of Buddha smoke going. Was he? Would was he just having insane munchies, and that's why he just cannot seem to get enough blood he's got, in his mouth?
1: He's got prehistoric level munchies.
0: He's got prehistoric level munchies. He was frozen in ice for a hundred and fifty million years. Okay, and as soon as he was old enough, which I guess is three years, it's like, all right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to Mexico. I'm gonna get some. I'm gonna get some marijuana. I'm gonna eat some fine, fine women and men and children and And anybody else and boats. And I, in one scene, a helicopter. Yeah. The worst CGI helicopter I have ever seen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We can talk about that too.
0: Can we? So
1: (laughs) this scene would have been better off with someone flying an RC helicopter that they, they strapped a firework to. That would have looked more convincing.
0: It would have, well, it would have, uh, What's incredible? So, so so many times, like uh, I okay. So Kevin O'Neill, the dir- the director of this film, visual artist, visual effects artist, has done at least a couple of big Hollywood films. Has done a whole lot of B films. Now you would assume, you would hope that somebody with a background like that would be competent in that field, and that would have, you know, maybe some really good know-how on how to pull off effective convincing effects on a shoestring budget what we get here many many times you get the worst fake blood splatter you get helicopters and explosions that are completely flat against the background that they're they're uh transposed over and most of the time that we see dino shark we just see the fin. Because animating the whole part of it just would have been too expensive, I suppose. And there was one scene in particular where the fin is going into the water and it had the worst jerkiest effect uh, going in.
1: The water, like, because they they kind of animate the water just right around the fin. They don't add a wake to the water in general. They just add little splashes around the fin. So that stands out a lot. They didn't add an awake effect behind it. And then, uh, like you said, when the fin goes underwater, the splash effect kind of goes on for another second or like two. Very jerkily, too. And yeah, and, and then it's it, gone. It looks real bad.
0: It's as bad a CGI as you can get. I mean, this this might be the worst film that we've reviewed so far.
1: I will say the, the CG, as bad as it was in the, the um, Deep Shock movie, I mean, I guess they had the benefit of being all underwater, so they didn't have to worry about surface of water. But this one spent a lot of time looking at the surface of water, and you can't really get that wrong.
0: You really can't. And I also want to say, like, Deep Shock, which we did a couple weeks ago, they actually built sets for that
1: movie. That's true.
0: They actually, like, had costume designers for that film. Yeah. They even put fake boxes over the computer screens to make them look fancy. Mm Mm-hmm. This film had none of that production
1: budget at all. I mean, the best thing this movie had was boats,
0: and it did have a lot of boats, and it had a lot of tourists. Yeah, and it had lots of uh, like life vests and stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Oh, and and alcohol bottles in the bar scene. Mm. There is a lot of liquor bottles behind that bar. That's true. There's like at least like thirty or forty.
1: Well, because that was just a regular bar they went in to to film that in.
0: Do you th- how many pesos do you think they paid the owner? <laughs>
1: At it's least, like hey, it's like hey, can we do, can we film here for like two hours? Maybe maybe it was a deal like um uh, uh like we'll stay around and buy drinks afterwards.
0: Oh um, yeah, like we'll be patrons. Oh, Like we'll be patrons. We'll film in your bar. The bar will be featured in the film, and we'll like buy some drinks. Yeah, and maybe like some appetizers.
1: I mean, that's obviously the resort. They have a similar kind of deal going because oh, the name of the actual resort is shown. It's said several times in dialogue. Um, It's shown in a positive light at every turn because they keep showing the these dancers that work there, the musicians, all this. Like
0: it looks like a very well run joint. However, comma, there is the skeezy resort owner who's trying to get Carol to do a job there. And he walks in like in the and and she is like a, a coach for like water volleyball. And he goes into the girls' locker room, and they kind of get grossed out. It's, he has a very Donald Trump moment where he's like, oh, I own this place, whatever. That's true. That would be the one negative uh, aspect of this film. And I, I didn't do enough research. They don't, maybe they don't, maybe that actually was the actual resort
1: owner. They don't really dwell on that, though. And honestly, I think it's more from our perspective he's real skeezy. He's not as skeezy, I think, from a neutral perspective.
0: Yeah, I guess, you know, like... It, this is 2010 when this was filmed you know we're we're in a bold new era now 2020 we have we're holding people accountable now for I skeezy mean, actions our
1: woke quotient is pretty high it
0: is pretty high it wasn't as high back in 2010 i mean they were still using uh flip phones
1: yeah there's a great shot it didn't even flip man that was just a brick phone
0: yeah there was a well there was a couple of flip phones in there but there was a great close up of a Nokia brick phone which definitely looked like it had seen better
1: days Yeah, it was well worn.
0: That was like that was definitely like somebody that was definitely a cast or crew member's cell cell phone just shot up close, which uh, you know you have to appreciate that level of realism Mm -hmm. and detail.
1: Yeah, I mean that is the thing that since they did everything monster whatever related was all CGI computer effects. Uh, There was literally no practical effects for anything, hardly any props. There was the boats and uh, the jeep. There was one Jeep, and that's really about it. Everything else in the background in this film is just what was already there that they're shooting. You know, people on the street, cars in the street, boats in the water, they have nothing to do with this production. They're just already there because of the location. They're
0: just filmed by accident and made to look like they're a part of the production. Yep. Which I have to I have to admit, if we were ever gonna make a really awful movie, Ken, we have learned a couple of little
1: tricks. Well, yeah, I, definitely. I mean, you you film your movie at the State Fair, you know? Absolutely. You film your, your movie on the day there's a boat parade, you know? <laughs> you, every little trick you can do to to get, you know...
0: Build that world. They record yes. a
1: lot of people dancing, uh, dancing events and stuff like that. And uh, they, it's, it, it is a little bit jarring. They go back and forth between the, the cinema quality cameras and hand cams. The
0: cinematography. Yes, let's talk about that. There's a... So the opening opening shot, you know, you, you have Arctic scenes of icebergs and such and ice ice breaking. And it's like National Geographic quality film. And then that immediately goes to crappy underwater CGI and then to just regular uh regular quality film for this production when you see the the Alaskan sailor. And then in other parts when they're in Mexico uh, like you have like really good film quality like in the bar scene and then in another scene you see you get a close up of Rita as she's driving and it looks like a GoPro mm-hmm. like a, a crappy GoPro
1: yeah yeah they filmed a lot of the stuff that's just out in the town on just a hand ha- you know
0: handy cam yeah handy cam yeah just a- absolutely small low resolution
1: and it's cameras super jarring because also it, the 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 frames per second isn't consistent at all and. uh, So, yeah, those little shots, they didn't really need it. I mean, I guess they just wanted to establish, like, um, just the town. But they could have had some stationary shots instead of trying to do these action shots. Oh, absolutely. Of just people going by or something, you know.
0: One of my my favorites with the cinematography is a couple of times when they needed close-up shots, they didn't actually film a close-up shot. They just took a normal (laughs) shot and then just zoomed in on that to make it look like a close-up shot. And my favorite part of that... Was when everything was soft and out of focus.
1: Yeah. and the, the the one that you notice, I think the most was the little boy.
0: Little boy, later, toward the end of the film, yeah, that was that was a great one because it, it cause just like
1: when, a you, horrified it, look on his face. Because
0: when because <laughs> when when I want a, a close up shot, Ken, I want it soft, I want it out of focus, and I want it uh, just slightly blurry. Mm-hmm. That's what I want.
1: Yep, that's a it's real quality.
0: Perfect. So, I mean, th- this is a quality film for sure.
1: Another another interesting kind of dip in quality or something that's super noticeable to me right away was whenever anyone goes underwater, we got the underwater effects shots um, uh, mixed with the real people. All of those shots are shot in a pool. So, you're seeing everyone's feet and everything from below. And then the camera goes back up above the water and the water's like brown. Like the water's like not clear water. And then we go back underwater and it's this pool, blue, clear water, and at a couple points time, I could see the, uh, the, the you wall could, of you the could, pool. You
0: could just make out the rim of like where the uh, the top of the wall was. Yeah, yeah. Another couple, another thing I liked too was um, in another underwater scene, I think, in like a, a swampy kind of area. There was a whole lot of CGI bubbles thrown in to kind yeah. of break it up and yeah. Mask where they were actually filming underwater.
1: Yep, that was another hallmark with the uh, the effect shots and, and the people swimming, is they added a bunch of, of fake grain and kind of bubbles and stuff to, to mask that. The fact that it was just a clear pool.
0: Now, c- CGI should always be used for uh, effect shots that you just cannot pull off physically. And I still think that that's true even for this film. A, like you were saying, a r- radio controlled toy helicopter would have looked better than the fake chopper explosion they had. Yep. And by God, a hand puppet in a bathtub would have been more convincing and probably have looked better and had more emotional impact than the two dimensional CGI dino shark that we see.
1: Now, I know that they couldn't have afforded to make it look good, so I'm sure that's why. I mean, and, and if, if this guy was just a digital effects guy, I'm sure that's just, like I said, everything else in this production is just, okay, the effects will be good enough. We'll add them in later. It, it'll be fine. Um, but especially the stuff with the helicopter, that was not good enough.
0: It really wasn't. And I I really feel for the actors in this.
1: Like You could have inserted a helicopter scene from a video game, and it would have looked better what's in this a video
0: game from like 1995 yeah
1: from, from this era
0: <laughs> like like a, an original playstation helicopter would have been would have looked just fine i i really feel bad for the for the actors and actresses in this film because you can you can just see like so many of them were like excited to work they're like oh my god i'm in a movie i'm in mexico it's kind of campy but whatever like you can see like especially on on Carol's face, you can just see it. She's really giving it her all. She's really trying. She's like, "Oh man, this could be my big break," but instead, they're in Dino Shark, and it was the end of at least a few people's careers, from what I can tell.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the, I guess the perk at least is they were they were in Mexico, so that's nice. You know, they, at least they had that going for them. They
0: probably got some free drinks.
1: Yeah, free drinks. You know, something that obviously ruined board at the at this yeah, resort. I'm sure the food was killer. Yeah. So they they had that they had at least a nice week or like, whatever, like, however long it took to film this maybe two weeks yeah I, I give it two weeks yeah
0: you know like one week per hour of film or so hmm. I mean it was ninety minutes but you know
1: just I guess that it, it depends on what the, if you count the reshoots apparently they, <laughs> they added stuff on. <laughs> Like, oh, at least I know, one scene. I know we cut you loose and you've been just living in in on in paradise for like a couple extra days, but we need you to come back and film this one scene where you just talk to each other about stuff that doesn't matter.
0: That's not gonna have any any impact in the film.
1: It's just like, it doesn't inform the characters at all. There's no reason it's important for the main character other than the fact that he drives boats, which he'll do throughout the movie.
0: That scene was intended to give them that scene was intended to bond our two leads and give them something in common in, in the loss of Rita. Like that was that That was the function of that scene, but it just doesn't work.
1: But to tell me, why do they need to bond? What was the purpose of the bond for the, for to the- make
0: them, uh, to put them on common ground, to for- give them, to give them a a common cause in continuing the plot of this film, which is uncovering the death of Rita and then exacting revenge.
1: <sighs> we didn't really talk about him too much, but the bartender ends up being another, uh, another half major character. We um, we see
0: him a couple of times in the bar, and then he has a uh, he tags along. He tags along for a little bit toward the end the of the adventure. film. Yeah. yeah, until he also gets wasted.
1: Yeah, it turns out though that he's got a military connection, so he he provides him oh, no. with ordnance. So he has grenades. And a RPG launcher. And, and uh,
0: multiple RPGs for that. Yes. And the most insulting part of this film was uh, his complete lack of trigger discipline.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he, he was aiming right at the dino shark. And it went underwater. Um, and a boat, another boat came along so he couldn't fire and he just kept that finger on the trigger, and he was waving it around, and
0: with his finger on the trigger,
1: he drops it or puts it down or something yeah. on the ground. Very,
0: very sloppily.
1: It, it, it was, it was disappointing. He could have, he could have put an eye out.
0: He easily could have put an eye out. I mean, do you think that? Do you think that RPG was spring-loaded?
1: I mean, it wouldn't have been just an eye; it would have been <laughs> an eye and a finger and a and a whole rest of the body. Yeah, possibly.
0: Oh, and there was a great, great. Uh, you get a. At some point in the film, I can't even remember. Maybe toward the end, uh, there's a quick glance of some uh, some of the grenades that he got, which are very clearly made out of plastic. Yeah. Which I thought I thought was great.
1: And the actual RPG holder itself was made out of just like pipes and like random things they picked up from a from a junk heap.
0: It was like almost like kit bashed, you know. Yeah. I mean, it, it. If you don't look at it closely, it looks fine. Yeah. Same with the grenades. Like they just flash them on screen just long enough. For it to register, like oh, those are grenades.
1: Right, I know but what it you is. But don't.
0: But when you actually pause it and look at it, they're cheap crap. I mean, like you probably got, they probably got them at like dollar store, like army playtime set.
1: No, it it was long after the the helicopter had already crashed, so I already knew how bad the effects were. But I was really super disappointed the first time that a grenade exploded, because. Once again, it was these 2D explosion that doesn't even go with the background. It had no interaction with water. They didn't even put a water splash in it. This grenade just like is a 2D explosion effect. Not even a fake seismic shock I, or anything.
0: I'm not even sure how how I would describe it. It it was just a it was like a, a 2D
1: picture. It was like
0: an orange an orange uh, flash.
1: Yes. That just kind of smeared we around. Cut, we cut. Back to the other shot of the boat going along with no, <laughs> no, residue from the explosion. So I knew it was going to be bad, but it was, it was really bad.
0: And that, friends, <laughs> is our take on Dino
1: Shark. Is that it? <laughs> is hey, that all you any, What you, else can we possibly what, what, say about uh, this? Uh, film? We're, were none of your other notes relevant? I, I think I think I, I've, I've
0: mentioned all of my notes. I mean, the use of stock footage. Yeah. Lots of shots of tourists. Yeah. The dubbing. Oh. So a note about the dubbing, especially in that first bar scene. If you just listen and just close your eyes, the dubbing sounds like a radio drama from like the 40s or 50s. Mm. Everything is incredibly well enunciated and very enthusiastically told. Mm -hmm. Like it sounds like they really are doing a radio show and and they're not interacting in a
1: room. The dialogue really feels like it too. Oh,
0: absolutely. Absolutely.
1: So even just the writing for it before they even recorded it, it just feels very wooden.
0: Oh, it, it, very wooden and very just artificially delivered. Yeah, I can't believe that this thing happened. <laughs> what do you mean? Oh boy, it's
1: been so long since we've seen each other.
0: Boy, you know, sure glad to have you back. I mean, like the the that, that was the quality of that overdubbing yeah. in that first that first bar scene. That is true. Um, uh, well, let's see. Uh, yeah, I think, I think I've covered all of my notes here, Ken. Uh, what would we say is the, uh, probably the, the best performance in this film?
1: I would say our main character, he, he's definitely the, he stands out as someone who knows what he's doing at least. And, uh, although his character isn't strong, he is a, a, the likable, um, you know, boat captain guy. So it, I think he did, he probably did the best I would say
0: with what he had to work with. Yeah. He did pretty good. Yeah. Well, no, what about worst performance?
1: Uh, worst performance is probably the old creepy guy.
0: Old creepy guy. I'll yeah, he it. he was pretty bad. I can't remember what his name was.
1: There's got a bit been a worse the, one than that, though. Oh, the dad, the dad from the the little kid and the mom, like in his his voice. Oh was yeah, so yeah, off. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. The the extra, like he, he, he was a ba- he was
1: a bad actor in addition to the dialogue being bad.
0: His, his body performance was pretty poor too. Yeah, and I think probably the most over the top performance was um. We haven't really talked about him but his name is Calderon. He's the he's basically like the lead annoying cop mm-hmm. of this harbor area. And he he gets very excited and loves to shout his dialogue
1: and mm-hmm.
0: yeah. is very clownish. Way
1: too animated.
0: Way too animated, especially when like if the whole film was at that level, okay, but they're not.
1: Yeah, it's not supposed to be funny. So he
0: really clashes out and he really his role could almost be Taken comedically,
1: yeah. They play the rest of the movie straight, and then he kind of kind of gets too big with it.
0: Yeah. So th- that was that was a pretty lousy one. Uh, soundtrack and score. So we had a lot of like, like, like stuff that sounds like it came from like the YouTube audio library. Just yoinked out some generic pop music, some super generic rock music toward the end,
1: and it- uh,
0: oftentimes at complete odds with the uh, the mood or the vibe. Of the scene that we're watching.
1: And everything that's soundtrack-ish is derivative as far as you started kind of humming, um, you know, the things it was kind of based off oh, of. Oh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Like, they, they definitely do a riff on the Jaws theme. They they kind of riff on the Terminator scene a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, there's like, dun 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 You yeah. know A lot of that. Very, just very artificial and generic. But, you know, for a TV movie with a budget of $2 million, what do you expect?
1: It, it stood out to me, too, that, like, in the scene near the end where... We've had, we've had like, you had this suspenseful shark music and then like a boat full of people has just been killed and a, a child's parents have been eaten in front of him. And then when the hero, right after this moment, the hero gets on a jet ski and then the music all of a sudden is like, yeah, let's do this. Yeah. It was very inappropriate.
0: It was incredibly inappropriate, you know, and it's supposed to be your hero's big moment. Right after this child is orphaned,
1: like that's the 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 music you put on in a movie where it's a like where the, the 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 main character just got in a boat to go win the boat competition or like you know go have fun with his friends go to go to a race, not the one where like the shark just ate people and now you need to blow it up. That's the wrong kind of music.
0: What so what's funny to me, you know? So I'm sure you're familiar with the expression "jump the shark." Yeah. Stemming from the old Happy Days episode where the Fonz goes, it's on a jet ski, or what? It's like, I can't remember the boat? actual
1: episode, but he's- Or uh, water skiing?
0: He's like water skiing. Yeah, thank you. So he's water skiing, and he goes over a shark, and he's wearing a leather jacket, and, you know, Happy Days was just kind of ridiculous after that. That show jumped the shark yeah. with that episode. This movie is the shark jumping. Over and over and over again, and I'm sure, I'm sure that was some little inside joke with the people who made this.
1: Yeah, it had to have been. Well, we we pretty much laughed every time that the shark got involved with eating people. Um,
0: Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah,
1: you just can't take it seriously.
0: Well, you can't take anything seriously. Yeah, not the acting, not the effects.
1: But like the rest of it's not funny, as far as like
0: it's not intended to be a comedy.
1: But even the other parts with the human people. They aren't really funny, like even unintentionally funny. Yeah, It's just people talking to each other about stuff.
0: Like what was the, uh, so this film came out around the time of like Giant Shark and Mega Octopus or something Mm. like, you know, a notoriously bad film that was definitely, you know, not taking itself seriously. And this is not that kind of film.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Like it's kind of cashing in on the overall vibe, but not that, that comedy angle. Right. So, what would your uh, final score and recommendation for this be, Ken?
1: Um, my final score, as you might remember from the beginning of <laughs> when we talked about this. Well, now that now that we've talked about it for an hour, now that we've talked about it, my opinion has not changed at all. No, no. still
0: just one and a half stars.
1: Yeah, it's it, there's just not enough there as far as like okay, so the, the effects are bad, the shark prehistoric shark thing isn't really that exciting or interesting, and the characters are non-existent so how, how can i give it any more than that it's a it's a pretty place they t- they shot it in and there's a lot of pretty backgrounds and um interesting cultural representations and uh boats it's fun to watch people ride around in a boat that's but that's about the best parts of this movie
0: um th- the entire time i was watching this film I wanted Jose Cuervo and to go hang out on a beach. Yeah. And just slightly annoyed that it happens to be (laughs) wintertime. But so it goes. All right. So that is a wrap for uh, this week's episode of Complimentary Cinema. Thank you for joining us. Uh, A link to this film will be below in our description. Please check it out if you like. Uh, Let us know in the comments how you feel about this film. Do you agree with us? Disagree? Um, We don't care. We're not going to read any of these comments anyway, but uh, please leave them. Engagement. (laughs) Boost our engagement. And uh, I guess we'll uh, see you uh, next week for another film. And uh, have a great night.